I'm David Farrier, a New Zealander accidentally marooned in America, and I want to figure out what makes this country tick. Now, as you'll be aware, I've been exploring the vast expanse of Florida, and it was inevitable that when I was in Orlando, I'd end up here. Hello? You'll be a good time to get up. It's goofy! Mom, let's go! <laughs> Much like the giggling child in that commercial from 1995, it was time for me to visit Disney World, the home of Mickey Mouse, and the place where the NBA hid during the pandemic. Now I'd done Disneyland with Monica and Dax and Rob, but it was time to go all in, to the place that's visited by about 58 million people each year. Opening just over 50 years ago, Disney World is made up of four parks that sprawl over 25,000 acres. That's Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, and Epcot. Ah yes, Epcot. Walt Disney's vision of the perfect community. A Disney town that he imagined people would work in, sleep in, eat in, and have sex in. But it was a vision of the future that humanity just wasn't ready for. So today it sits as a weird theme park that's a tribute to all of humanity. A tribute that I'm desperate to visit. It was Epcot that had caught my eye, and it was to Epcot that I would go. So, prepare to put your Mickey Mouse ears on and walk around in a mini version of the entire planet, because this is the Epcot episode. Flatless, flatless, flatless bird touchdown in America. I'm a flatless bird touchdown in America. I feel bad leaving you all behind on this one. I just went along with some Disney adults yeah. and you guys weren't here. I know, I... I'm mad at you for that <laughs> because I love Disney. I know you, you love all things Disney. To get back to the basics, just remind me why you love it so much. My parents took me to Disney every yeah. year. Yeah, it's like revisiting your childhood. And I haven't been to Disney World as an adult. Oh, wow. Well, now I do feel a bit bad. I did go when Harry Potter first opened. Okay. In Disney World. Mm -hmm. um, it's my favorite ride. I love it. It's so good. My mom took me and my brother. Mm. I mean, we were, this wasn't that long ago. Okay, last year. <laughs> it was last sure. year. No, it was when it first opened. I went on the Harry Potter ride another time and it broke down halfway through. Oh, and you no. know, those are just sort of suspended on a weird angle, just hanging in front of a giant screen. Yeah. It's a weird buzz. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, the ride is good, but it's the world, right? That they set the up world. that you get to be in. I mean, it's, yeah. your, it's the dream when you read Harry Potter to live in that world. Completely. If Epcot had turned into what it was imagined to be, which was this little village, yeah. and you'd wake up and you'd be in Disney, and you know, would you do it? Or do you think it would be too much all the time and the fun would kind of wear off? So it was supposed to be a place to live. Yeah, kind of like you just have a house there and it would be perfect and you'd have Disney Street and it would be Disney themed. It wouldn't be rides everywhere, but huh. it was like a perfect town that he imagined. That's what Epcot was going to be. Oh, and then he died and they abandoned the idea and they oh. were like, we're just going to make like a tribute to him and the world and it's going to be Epcot theme park. I don't think I knew that. Oh, well, great. Yeah. No, that's the crazy thing about it. It was going to be a town. Oh. Yeah. The, and you just go and live there. Which Disney is still pushing forward on on another town. Uh-huh. Looks like you don't believe me. 
No, I just no. It's a very skeptical face. You know that face where you're telling someone something and they just clearly don't. <laughs> I see that face so many times, and often it's the right reaction because I do sometimes just spin bullshit. No, no, I do believe you. I I was just thinking, <laughs> would I want to live there? And then yeah. I thought, oh, I would maybe like to have a home mm. there, mm-hmm. holiday home, holiday. I don't think I could live at Disney for mm. my whole life. In this series on Florida, I also do an episode coming up about the Villages, which is the largest retirement village in America. Okay. 100,000 old people yeah. all live in the same place. And that felt very, I think, what Epcot could have been. Like, it's perfect. Like, right. the flower beds are made fresh every other week. Oh. The streets are all clean. It is like a little theme park. Right. Yeah, Ooh. but it's all old people. I would really like to go to Epcot as an adult. Also, isn't there drinking around the world there? That was my biggest surprise about this place. We went in there at like 10 Uh a.m. By the time it's 3 p.m., people are louder. And you look who's being loud, and they're people that are just completely trashed. Yeah. Who have been drinking in every mini city around the park, which seems outrageous for like a family sort of fueled place, right? I know. I'm surprised they allow it. I love it. Oh, I mean, it's a great, I mean, it's a fucking amazing thing to do. I wonder how much money they make. I like. Oh, yeah, they make so much. That's an interesting question. Mm. Parks and the different amount of money that's. Oh, um, all four. Yeah, like who's making the most bank kind of thing. Exactly. I imagine it would be the universal bit because it's like all the funky new rides. Uh, You know, the the Hollywood bit, sorry, the Hollywood part of the park. Of Magic Kingdom? I think so. Oh, what, what's it called? What are the four ones? Magic Kingdom, Epcot. There oh, no, was nothing. MGM. I don't know if that's still. Wait a second. I was going to Google. There's the Animal Kingdom. And Disney World. Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios. Oh, that's. And Animal Kingdom. Okay. And I feel that like Hollywood Studios has like all the big movie tie ins. Hollywood Studios is what used to be MGM. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, you haven't been there in a while. No. Yeah, right. Okay. These are the MGM days. Yeah. Wow. Well, do you want to sort of return back via an audio documentary? I would like to. <laughs> it was just like you're there. It's okay. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. Keep gaslighting me. <laughs> Early in the life of Flightless Bird, I did an episode on Disney adults that was, at times, a little cynical. So some people may say that Disney adults are weird. But before you judge, let me give you some insight. After listening to the episode, Dax was horrified that I'd never actually been to Disneyland. A very valid point. So he kindly took all of us, Rob, Monica, me, to Disneyland in LA so I could discover the Disney magic. Well, this is great because I can't wait to record your absolute glee and sparkle after the experience. I'm just deeply cynical about this place. So cynical. and wanting- This is basically I'm an ambassador mission. Yeah, and you, you will be deeply converted. To cut a long story short, I did discover the Disney magic as well as Disney gangs. So there's still some weird beef between the Main Street Fire Station and the White Rabbits. Right. I mean, off the record, I could probably tell you what I know, but on the record... That day had been overwhelming. I'd walked for miles, my feet hurt, and I ate too much dough. I discovered corn dogs, a majestic American treat that doesn't exist in New Zealand. But the Disney magic had lodged itself in my brain. And so when I found myself in Orlando, Florida, I decided I needed to investigate the weirdest of the Disney parks. I needed to visit Epcot. 
Now, Epcot was originally going to be a sort of utopian place for people to live in, an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. It would have had houses and shops and a school and a train connecting it all together. Domestic bliss would occur, and Disney adults would breed Disney babies who would have Disney dolls. But Walt Disney died, and plans changed, and Epcot became a theme park. Now to make sure I didn't get lost during my visit, I connected to the vast network of Disney adults I discovered during that last episode, ending up with Elizabeth and Patrick, a couple who'd agreed to treat me as their adult son for the entire day. Just obviously people can't see in the format of podcast. Can you just describe what you are wearing today? Oh, I sure can. So I have some Mickey earrings in, and then I have what's called a spirit jersey, very popular. Spirit jersey? A spirit jersey, yes. So it's got these drop sleeves on it, and then it'll typically have the Mickey logo in front, and then the back will be a different design. You'll see several today. As we all approach the entrance, I'm already confused. What's a drop sleeve? That's where the seam is below the shoulder, like at a t-shirt length. That's what makes it a spirit jersey. Suddenly, her husband Patrick drops a bombshell about Elizabeth. She wasn't always a Disney adult. I kind of converted her. She actually did not like Disney. She was very much anti because in the movies, it's very much so the big strong man comes and says, so she didn't like that. And I understand. I totally get it. Allow me to pull up my soapbox and say that I did not want to be raised with the princess being saved by the galleon. Yeah. But since then we have, you know, there's some really great characters. Yeah. The... It's changing dramatically, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Frozen yeah. has Anna and Elsa who their power saves each other and Moana. She didn't have a love interest. She went out on this journey and had somebody guide her. Yeah. yeah, it's much better role models for my daughter than what I had as a child with Little Mermaid saying goodbye to her family to go off with a boy she knew for three minutes and <laughs> give up her voice so that she yeah. could have legs. No, thank you. No, thank you. Using our legs, we've arrived at the gate. It's time for the magic to begin. So we've just entered and we did some sort of finger thumb read technology. The first thing I notice when we enter the park is that I use my thumb to scan in. Americans love thumb and finger scanners. When I arrived in America, it was the first thing I had to do at the airport as I came through immigration. So you're in their database forever and you cannot use a different finger to get in. Elizabeth is particularly excited about the food today because Epcot is all about the world showcase. Each major country on planet Earth recreated, but smaller. We're about to visit France. Typically serviced by people from the country of wherever you're in. So it'll be French people here behind the counters. Do they have an American section? They do. It's right in the middle and it's very large. Each area has that particular country's unique architecture and unique food. We're going to France. We're going to get a brioche that is stuffed with gelato and pressed in a waffle iron so that it's warm and gooey. It's been on my list for you the entire time we've been planning this. That's my Disney adultness is coming here and trying all the different food, especially at Epcot. To me, the World Showcase sounds a bit like the life-size version of that nightmare ride from Disneyland. It's a small world. The song still reverberates around my mind. Now, usually fake Mexico comes first at Epcot, but we've come in the back way, so we've arrived in fake France and go to a fake cafe to get the very French food known as a brioche ice cream sandwich. They've got cinnamon in there. (gasps) I must do that, I suppose. Damn it. I'll do apple with cinnamon. What do you think is a good sauce for that? I get caramel with my cinnamon and eat my gooey treat as I get the lay of the land. 
So there are 11 pavilions, so 11 main countries that are here, and they all had to pay to be a pavilion here. They had to sponsor their own countries. So, also have, Japan actually sponsors Japan. Yes, and England sponsors England. Everybody paid and then continues to pay to have their country represented here. I can't wait to visit all the other countries, especially one I'm feeling particularly homesick for. Can't wait to get to the New Zealand section. Filled to the brim with brioche and ice cream, we continue. This used to be the only park where you could get alcohol, so it was very popular for adults who were bringing their children here to get a little treat. But now it's available at all the parks, which is really new, like in the last 10 years. Used to be very anti-alcohol, and now yeah. you can find it. Well, they don't want people getting booze and silly here, do they? Like, do mostly do people keep themselves in the Disney adult community under control? We've seen some things. <laughs> it's very popular to what's called drink around the world, so to get a drink at each country, which after 12 countries, a drink through the it's, afternoon. That's it, an unofficial, not a Disney-sanctioned activity. It's not, but people make sure it's they bring sharpies, they check it off, and you can definitely tell where they are in their tour. I found myself wondering if she and Patrick moved to this part of the country because of Disney Worlds. They live about an hour away. Is part of the reason that you moved here not for work, but for Disney? Yeah, absolutely. So we have two children and it's really nice to be about an hour away where we can just drop in. And we have the season passes, which were available right when we moved and then they stopped selling them. So we were really lucky to get those. But it's a nice non-pressure way to bring your family here, have a good time. But if they start melting down, just get in the car and go home and you try again another day. And your kids are okay about you ducking off without them today? They are. We've done it a few times and it's usually with the promise of we have our next time planned for when they get to come. But they don't really love Epcot. They like a few rides here, but they much prefer Magic Kingdom or Hollywood Studios where it's more kid friendly. They get a little bit bored by the food in the countries. Suddenly, we're in Japan. Japan! The food here includes sushi with an American twist. I like giving that American touch to sushi by making it in the shape of a donut. (laughs) The rice is in the form of a donut and then the sushi lays on top. As we walk through Japan, heading towards the America area, I spot a giant ball towering over us. What is that big ball? So it looks like a big golf ball, but it's called Spaceship Earth. It's actually a ride inside. It's very slow moving and very classic Disney. That is, uh, was a conservation effort, kind of a, here we are on our spaceship Earth, we have to take care of our spaceship. Oh, we're about to hit America. I look up and notice we've arrived in America, as in the small America that's in actual America. Let's see what's on the menu. Okay. What is America? This is more beer. Okay, these are beers. Okay, I just want to see what... Because it should really be the best of America's palette on display here. So our stand has funnel cakes and onion rings. We have three meat meatloaf, duck and dumplings, and a hummingbird cake, which I've heard we should not pass up. Are these common American treats or just at Disney? The meatloaf certainly is. I've never eaten duck and dumplings in my life. But hummingbird cake is banana cake with pineapple, coconut, pecans, and cream cheese frosting. Yes, so that's a common dessert, I think, especially down here in the South. Florida is all about the key lime pie, isn't it? Yes, so that, the, the specific key lime, not just any lime, the key lime. Oh. If you have a piece of key lime pie served to you and it is fluorescent green, yeah. go away. No, 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 that is not for you. It needs to be a pale, 
yellow okay. for the true key lime. Okay. So you're a fan of the key lime? It's my favorite. I quickly Google key lime pie, which is made from lime juice, egg yolks, and condensed milk. When I was a kid, I used to sometimes steal condensed milk from the pantry and just gobble it up. Disgusting behavior. The key lime pie was invented here in America in the 1930s, and during the 50s was advertised as Florida's most famous treat. We passed through Germany, England, and we go on a few rides, the ones that had the shortest wait times, because New Zealanders don't like to wait. I think maximum wait time for a New Zealander, 25 minutes. Ratatouille is an hour and a half wait right now. No, it's, get out of town. Think about that. That can be, you know, 10% of your day just waiting in line yeah. to do one ride. We end up taking a boat ride through Mexico, and then Patrick takes me to his favorite ride, the Imagination Lab, which features his favorite character, Figment. So this is Figment Land or mm-hmm. something. You love this place. This is, well, this is a it's your favorite place. Definitely a relic from when I was younger. Yes. Taste my chicken. Can I go? Please, please, please. No, I don't want you out of my sight. Out of sight. Okay. Come on, everybody. Here we go. Figment, you are not to interfere with the tour. Hello. Who is this? It's Figment. Figment. <laughs> I thought I told there you. There he is. Figment is this purple dragon creature who sometimes wears a tiny yellow sweater that didn't come from a Disney film. He was just created for Epcot. He's a figment of your imagination. That's the gag. And he's an old school part of Disney World. And everyone on this ride loves the little freak, including Katie, who is sat behind us. I'm from New Zealand. We don't, I've never heard of figment before. I've never heard of figment before. I can't believe it. What the fuck it. is figment? Well, did you just go on this ride? Did you miss the whole thing? That was Figment in there, the purple one. It's all about imagination, freeing your imagination, freeing your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta free your imagination. How does that compare with the other rides at Disney World? No other ride can compare. This one is beyond compare. That's why the line is just out the door. For Patrick, Spaceship Earth is particularly meaningful. There's a reason he loves Figment, the character who encourages kids to use their imagination. So my brother unfortunately passed when I was about eight years old of cancer. And when I was about seven years old, which is about the age of my daughter right now, we got the opportunity as a family to take a a give kids the world trip, which is like a make a wish kind of thing. We got to go to Disney and it was amazing. We uh, had a a great experience as a family. It ended up being a, a, you know, last big family trip for us. And so his memory comes up a lot. In fact, some of the rides we went on and and just things we saw just always will bring up his memory. And it's kind of why is a little bit more ingrained into me. Our trip around the world is almost complete and still no sign of New Zealand. I asked Africa if they've seen New Zealand and I met with a blank stare. There are photo ops in each country we visit. We pose with George Washington on a boat as a happy looking employee takes our photo. I ask how many photos she's had to take. I've been here for almost a year, so over 20,000 photos probably easy. It's late afternoon now, and as we've been eating our way around the world, we start bumping into people who have been drinking their way around the world. You can tell them apart from everyone else because they're louder. Are you doing the drinking around the world thing? Yes. And how's that going so far? We started in Mexico, so we're still working um, on it too. It's great in Mexico. We love it. Tequila. More tequila. What drink are you on? We are. This is fourth. Fourth? Fourth. I'm on number six. <laughs> Where are we again? <laughs> You're in America. Yeah. 
It's about this time I learn a sobering fact. There is no New Zealand here at Epcot. Apparently we never signed up. Jacinda never sent the check. We never got real estate in this fake mini-universe, this utopian vision from the mind of Walt Disney. But is it a utopia without New Zealand? How could it be? I start to feel homesick, but I get distracted by the delicious smell of chocolate. This place is full of distractions. Distractions from the harsh realities of life, like your own country ceasing to exist. Disney pumps scents into the air as well, so they will pump candy, they will pump popcorn to encourage you to seek it out when you pass the cart. Liz is full of facts like this, and as our day winds to an end, she drops a particularly morbid, sobering one. I mean, I'm sure they don't publicize it, but it is well known if you are from here that you are not allowed to die at Disney, so if you heaven forbid, drop dead of a heart attack or something happens and paramedics are called, they are not allowed to call your time of death until you are officially off Disney property. So if they can help it, nobody dies at Disney officially. It's the happiest place on earth. Dying isn't happy, is it? No, even though typically a parent does die in every Disney movie, this is the happiest place on earth. They should encourage it. They should have a little area if you're having a heart attack, they take you there. And it's like the sad part of the Disney film. It's the Bambi area. (laughs) You're onto something. Luckily for all of us, there were no heart attacks on our day at Disney World. It's been lovely, and we finish it all off with a giant fireworks display over the lake. I've visited places like France, Germany, Japan, Mexico, and England all in the same day. I don't think I'd ever want to live here. How could I with no New Zealand? But overall, it's been a good, magical day at this experimental prototype community of tomorrow. That fireworks display at the end was probably the highlight of the whole day and went on forever. You're there at like eight o'clock, it's dark, the sort of the, it all opens up it's on the water, all the shit happens. It was one of those fireworks displays where it almost goes on for so long, you're just like, oh God, again. You know, like another <laughs> one's going off and you think it's the end and then it yeah. pauses yeah. and people start to shuffle to leave and then, well, it's off again, more start going. Are there any poor countries? No. They can't, right? No, because they, they, they have can't to afford. Pay. Like, there's yeah. a reason that New Zealand isn't there. Well, New Zealand's not poor. <laughs> no, we're small, though. Like, we'd right. struggle to get it. I mean, God knows how much it is to get a spot in there. Right. But it's, it's a very funny concept to like buy this real estate in yes. this little fake world. It's very funny. And then I guess the hope would be that it would promote tourism. Yeah, or you're something. like, wow, this place exists. Yeah, this yeah, is Yeah, I cool. forgot about Africa. Africa was the tiniest stall, it and it's was. the. I don't know if you've heard about this, but Africa's pretty big. But yeah, in, I've in, heard that. In Epcot, it was. In fact, like, it's a continent. It was a little corner. It's tiny. Whereas America <laughs> is just this monstrosity in there. Yeah. Okay. What are. Can you list the countries? Oh, no, I, just, I blur it out. I sort of got a bit bored in there. Uh, um, but no, you've got. <laughs> look, you've got Germany. Look, I'll come up with the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. Germany, England was there. Um, Australia, I think, had a spot. It's Mexico, Norway, China, Germany, Italy, United States, Japan, Morocco, France, United Kingdom, and Canada. Morocco. Hmm. So Africa did have a little spot. So they let a continent in, which is interesting, but it's not listed on this website I'm looking at now either. Um, The... Donut bit of sushi, I found very ridiculous, um, very <laughs> hilarious. It's every country's stereotype. 
just dialed up. And it's a bit like it's a small world, which does have a New Zealand section. It's every stereotype. It's selling the country. It's like, this is what's unique about us. Yeah. It's just such a funny concept. Yeah, I really want to go. Okay, what was the best food you ate all day? I think it was because I hadn't had breakfast and that brioche with the gelato that had been put under like a little toast maker thing Mm. was just so good. (sighs) It was delicious. I ate it so quick, I felt a bit sick after that. Yeah, that seems to be the uh, thing you do. Yeah, I eat. I can't have half of a thing. Yeah, I you don't just, pace yourself. And I eat it quickly. Yeah. So that was pretty good. But you hummingbird cake. Oh, hummingbird cake. I've never heard of it. Great. Banana pineapple <laughs> spice cake. I've never heard of it either. It we both learned something. sound American. Yeah, it says here... Yeah, it originated in Jamaica, and it's a popular dessert now in the southern United States since the 1970s, so it's like a southern thing. Okay, um, but I am flour, southern. sugar, salt, vegetable oil, ripe banana, pineapple, cinnamon, yum, pecans, vanilla extract, eggs, and a leveling agent. Okay, so for the second part of My Little Doc, yeah. I thought we've done too much Disney. Oh. We're too much. There are other parks out in the world. Right. We've done, this is our third Disney episode. Sure. That's insane. Yeah. We're in Disney's pocket. What's going on? But Disney's so American. It's iconic. But I'm going to present the idea that it's not the only place oh, that we should be celebrating. I kind of want to guess where we're going. Can I guess? You can guess. Bush Gardens. Mm-mm. Oh, dang. There's another big theme park that exists in America. Direct competition to Disney. From an entirely different universe of intellectual property. That universe is called Universal. And like Disney, they have their fans, including adults, that are as equally passionate about Jurassic Park as Disney fans are about Figment. With this in mind, I decided to head back to Los Angeles to visit the first Universal Studios theme park built in the US. But it was a good time to go, because they've just opened a new part of the park, Super Nintendo Land. A whole new attraction dedicated to the two Italian plumbers invented in Japan in 1983. While Mario had appeared a few years earlier in Donkey Kong, it was a game called Mario Bros that introduced the world to Mario and Luigi. And those characters hold a really special place in my heart, because a few years later, Super Mario Bros. came out, which was the very first video game I ever played. And dear god I challenge you to find a more iconic video game score. There's this old photo of me and my brother Rob sitting on the floor together in the 80s grasping those classic rectangular Super Nintendo controllers, utterly transfixed by Super Mario. And here I was, decades later, walking into that world come to life, and it was fucking amazing. All those pixels and blocks, mushrooms and pipes, they're blowing up big giant the real blue sky sits against the giant rolling hills of mario land it's magical you're surrounded by all these great kinetic you know high energy activations all over the place it's really cool Uh, are you a, a super mario fan absolutely i've met up with john who actually made this place a reality he's down here to iron out a few bugs and to put up with some questions from me. Well, my name is John Corfino. I'm the Vice President of Universal Creative here for Universal Studios Hollywood. I've got the best job in the world. I get to work around some of the most crazy, talented people from all over the industry. One of the things we're going to see, or you're gonna see when you go on the ride, is it's an augmented reality experience. There's multiple layers involved. So we have the augmented reality goggles, we have projection, we have video mapping, we have special effects, we have physical effects. 
But for example, those AR glasses, goggles, those were developed by us at Universal Studios, actually by our advanced technology group in Orlando, so it takes a lot of brain power. He started designing this land seven years ago, working hand-in-hand with Nintendo in Japan. To be able to work with Nintendo and Miyamoto-san and kind of dive inside the brain and the creativity there was just magical. John's put a special Nintendo wristband on me so I can interact with the land around me, knocking on blocks like Mario does in the game. It's really cool and my seven-year-old me is freaking out. As opposed to going behind the scenes or putting you in an immersive film environment, we're putting you now into an actual game. When you come into this environment and you hit a tap point or you, even when you talk with our costume characters in the meet and greets, because you're in a game, guess what? They're going to know your score. Walking around, the noises of the game are everywhere. It's triggering and in the best possible way, and it's all been meticulously thought out. What was the hardest thing to design in here and to get working? Because there's so much mechanical things going on around us right now. There's a lot of moving parts. Was there any bit that was particularly challenging? One of the common challenges in any environment that we do is understanding how people will come in and enter and interact and giving a sufficient room to that space. And also you've got to realize that you've got different audio everywhere. A lot of these effects have audio, so creating systems that actually allow you to do that and create the illusion. Again, another point where we worked hand in hand with Nintendo with their audio team to come out and really just make sure that everything's spot on. It's time to try out that augmented reality ride he talked about earlier. I'm actually with my best mate Dan who's visiting from New Zealand and Dan loves Mario Kart. This ride is a life-size Mario Kart. You're in a real moving cart with real things around you, it's a real track, but there's also fake things thanks to the AR goggles. It's a lot of stimulation. What the hell? This is so intense. Have you played much Mario Kart? Yeah, quite a bit, but it doesn't feel this crazy. I never imagined this when I was a seven-year-old playing Super Nintendo. Ah! Bowser, eh? He's always trouble. Oh my goodness. I haven't been in this much immersive AR ever. I feel a bit sick because the AR overloaded my dumb brain. Outside, I run back into John and tell him he did a great job. I mean, I've ridden it probably 200 times. I'm still trying to improve my score. I wander around outside through the giant mushrooms and notice a face I've seen before. He's from one of the most popular theme park YouTube channels on the internet. I'm Peter Serretta, and I'm one part of Ordinary Adventures for a theme park YouTube channel. For Disney adults, and I guess universal adults, Peter's a big celeb, as is his partner Kitra. Unlike me, they actually know what they're talking about when it comes to theme parks. Oh my god, I love it all. It makes you feel like you've been shrunk down and transported into a video game. I'm obsessed, I love the music. We've been here probably like 10 times already. And I love the food. We've, we're like regulars there. We go in there and they're like, oh, good to see you again. It's just, it's hard to choose, but it's all so much fun and colorful. I love it all. It's fantastic. Once you step in here, it's so kinetic. There's so much going on. It's almost like too much going on. They have fit so much into the small space. It's incredible. Like there's games that feels like you're inside a video game. I'm a big fan of the Jurassic Park, now the Jurassic World ride love Transformers, what sets something like this apart? In the Jurassic World ride, you're in the world and experiencing it. Here, you're interacting with it. Like, I was just 
running around. I was like winded after that. Do you guys remember like your first Mario experience? Oh yeah, I've been playing Mario since I can remember. I used to go to daycare and, I mean, it's just showing my age, but like I played like the original NES. And then it kind of upgraded to Super Mario and then Mario 64, the Wii. I own a Nintendo Switch at home, so I've been with it my entire life. You're a lifer. Yeah, and I'm almost 40 years old, so like I've gone through many different consoles and generations. Ketcher is almost 40. I am 40. And I realize I've just been talking to a load of adults stuck in nostalgia. But there are kids everywhere in here too, and they love it. It's amazing to me that this character I was obsessed with when I was seven is still being obsessed over by seven-year-olds today. And what do you think of Mario Land? I like Mario because I saw it on YouTube. This kid loves Mario because he's watched videos on YouTube. He hasn't even played the game. But things have changed since I was a kid. Mario is more than a game. It's a whole cultural force, and Universal is cashing in. We're going to check the bathroom. How do it look like? Yes, apparently even the bathroom is Mario-themed. Everyone I bump into here, adults, kids, teens, they're all having a moment. I'm literally so excited right now, I think I'm about to cry. I'm kind of with her. And after visiting Disneyland and Disney Worlds, I feel I'm starting to get some sense of the theme park scene in America. And for me, so far, Super Nintendo Land has been the coolest. I guess I'm a Universal Studios adult. And with a Mario movie out in the world, starring Chris Pratt as an Italian plumber, I guess our numbers will be growing. Watch out, Disney adults. We're coming for you. I really liked <laughs> Mario Land a lot. Yeah. It was really good. You should take your kid, Rob. Yeah, I want to. He loves Mario. So I was curious, because all the kids I talked to, most of them just loved Mario from watching Mario videos on YouTube. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> like a real difference in things. So they watched the videos and then they started playing the game. They haven't even played the game. They, they, they'll get the Lego. So yeah, I have neighbors right. and they just know Mario as Lego, interactive Lego. Yeah, that's what Calvin has. He's got the little interactive guy. But it shows how powerful those images the are franchise. and just the whole idea. It's just so bizarre to me. I know. I mean, I think the original draw to Mario, mm. that world, is something you could accomplish. You yeah. can look in every crevice and check yeah. the world and beat the world. It was contained. Because yes. I guess the technology wouldn't even let things be too big. But yeah, it's the opposite. I think I stopped playing video games when they became too immersive. Like, I've got a friend that's obsessed with The Witcher 3. And the world is just the most giant. And like Skyrim. And these worlds are giant. And it's endless exploration. Right. Mario, you got a few pipes yeah. on that screen. You can explore the secret blocks. Yeah. And you can clock it in a couple of hours. And you can win. And I think for young kids who don't have much control or agency at all, yeah. that is a really good place to funnel some control, to, yeah, to totally. garner some control. I mean, I just remember just being so obsessed with that console. And yeah. we didn't have one, but our friends did. Yeah. And me and my brother would just obsess over that game so much. Which we had a one? Game Boy as well. Oh, yeah, I had a Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just, oh, my God. Then Tetris is a whole other thing. Right. It's all coming back. Tetris well, is now the, the movie, right? I know. Um, and Mario Kart. That's when Calvin and, plays yeah. Mario Kart. See, that's an era that. that I've completely missed. But you didn't for do most Mario kids, Kart? No, I was pre-Mario Kart, and then I stopped playing Mario. And, of course, that's ah. the hugest thing now, right? Well, is it? I still, feel, yeah, with the Switch. 
Switch oh. has made a comeback because he's got Luigi's Mansion. He's got right. Mario Kart. And also, he's jamming on stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. Wait, so what was the <laughs> console you had? So this was when I was seven, so it would have been the Super Nintendo. Okay. And okay. it had these those little square controllers. Yeah. And I just got myself a Switch because you can now get an emulator which runs that mm-hmm. console from the 90s, and you can get the rectangular controller that oh, you used back then. Fun. So it's like time travel. It is. It's nostalgia. It's that whole yeah. thing. I was N64. You're N64, That was my girl. generation. Man. Do you play Goldeneye? No, I only had Mario Kart and yeah, you're right. Mario World, Mario Super right. Mario World. Mario yeah. World was like the first N64 game. It was right. like the 3D world that you're in. And yeah, when the movie came out this year, holy shit, giant number one film. How do you feel about Chris Pratt being an Italian? Is it okay? To, <laughs> is, is that okay? I guess it is. Are you sort of allowed to make fun of Italians in America, or do you know emulate an accent? Is that okay? I'm so curious. Uh, huh. I think the general consensus right no, now it's is like, a Mario, like that, you know? Is that okay? It's tricky. I, I don't yeah. I don't really know because I do think a lot of people think and I don't know that this is right, mm. but people think like if it's a marginalized group and you're doing that, mm. that's a problem. Yeah, right? 100%. And yeah. that maybe you're Italians- You're punching up or you're punching down. Right. And yeah. maybe Italians aren't considered a marginalized group. But it's like that thing group. when you're in New York, you're like, I'm walking here. You know, it's that right. thing. Like, is that okay? They're not marginalized because they're at Epcot. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm super curious Ooh, to what watch kind it. of Italian food was at Epcot? Oh, I didn't eat anything <gasps> there. Yeah, I didn't. I feel it was all a bit warped, though. It definitely wasn't the genuine cuisine of the country. It definitely <laughs> had like which, an, a very American twist which on it. Which is annoying because they're saying that they hire people from the country. Yeah, to, to, to starve it. There. Yeah, which apparently post-COVID has kind of changed a bit and there's definitely less okay. um, people from each place working there. Definitely heard a lot of American accents behind the various oh, counters. Oh, no. And I think that is like a post-COVID staffing thing. This is a sidebar, but what's your favorite food genre? Just give me Korean barbecue every day, all the time. Okay. And it's just so, just the flavor is so intense. You love it. I think Korean, I think. Okay, that's great. What's My, yours, Rob? Yeah. Probably Mexican. Yeah. You're in the right city for Yeah, it. good street taco. Mm. I know. It really can't be beat. It's hard. Italian for me, but it's a close call between Italian and Mexican. And I do love Asian food. Yeah. I also just love, I eat a lot of cereal. Well, not where's Asian, that, Japanese. Where's that from? Cereal is probably American. Probably is American. I love cereal so much. I could eat cereal all day. <laughs> I sometimes have cereal for dinner. What kind? I'm still trying to figure out the cereal to eat in America because it's all so sweet. Mm-hmm. Should do a cereal episode. Ooh, but yeah. But yeah, like in New Zealand, you get some granolas that actually are semi sort of healthy. They want you to think that. But yeah, the sugar content here is just off the chain. Okay. Like I'm slurping back that milk afterwards and it's the most sugary drink I've ever had. Yeah. You know? But what is your favorite cereal? Any type of granola. I'd go for a granola, but if I'm going to be completely honest, I don't know if you have them here. I think they're Cocoa Puffs here. Cocoa Puffs, yeah. They're Cocoa Pops in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Uh, just like a chocolate milkshake, only crunchy yeah, is sure. the theme. There's no better treat. You put the Cocoa Puffs in, uh-huh. the milk level should come about a centimeter above the puffs. Okay. Mix it up. And at the end, you do have a little milkshake. Yeah. Which is just heaven. Oh. 
Oh my Cereal gosh. is good. It's so good. <laughs> and it's really, really bad for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I learned a lot in this. The main thing that sort of shocked me, and it has been talked about a lot on the internet, Disney Deaths. won't confirm it, the whole death thing where they do try and call, allegedly, the time of death when you are off grounds so that that death rate is not happening that in Disney. That is wild. It's, <laughs> It's one of the most bonkers things I've ever heard, and I love it. And it's probably my favorite thing that I've learned about Uh, the place. It's such a good fact. I'm deeply concerned that because I live alone, when I die, I might not be found until like the rot set in, you know, or something like that. We would have a a job. Yeah, we would reach out before the rot sets in. (laughs) You'd you'd sit up before the rot. You'd you'd reach out before the rot sets in. We tend to record at At least least once once a week. week. Yeah. Yeah. So a week. A week at most. Yeah. A week at most. We if also we just, text you. Yeah, if you, you just text. stopped responding okay, so to I'm both not responding, of us like, what would you do? Two days. We'd, what would you do? Would you Would you just go to be your like, apartment? Would you? Yeah. Well, that means a lot that you would do that. That's of so course. nice. I think that's yeah. like normal. Maybe shows yeah. the quality of my friends up yeah. until this point. <laughs> I think so because you seem awfully touched. The other thing I liked about Disney World was watching all the kids meltdown at around oh, like sure. two o'clock or something. I guess like whatever nap time usually is for kids. Yes. Just losing their shit. And yes. it's just amazing to watch. I mean, I feel for these parents, but shit, it's funny. It is so funny. My friends just went to Disneyland because, shout out, my friend Anthony wrote a movie for Disney Plus called <gasps> Prom Pact. It's, Congratulations. it's so good. And my friend Rachel produced it. Anyway, so they got tickets to go to Disneyland. Mm. And Allison, Anthony's wife, was like, okay, how do we handle this? When they're starting to disintegrate in front of our eyes, what do we do? Do we give sugar? Because that will give them a boost. But then then they'll crash. crash. Exactly. And then, well, do we time the crash to when we leave or do we not give the sugar? I mean, you know, there's so much to think about with these children. Yeah, totally. I always forget when I'm like babysitting and kids are like, can we have that chocolate bar? And I'm like, of course. And they're so happy. <laughs> and then like usually when the parents arrive back, that's when the crash happens. Yep. And they hate it. They're so mad much. at you. Yeah, they're so mad. But yeah. I've had a great time. <laughs> also, when kids have sugar, it is like they're having cocaine. I know. Like it's crazy how it, you Powerful can see it, it is. really quickly. It changes, and suddenly they're sort of they are really intense. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> they are like drunk adults. Yeah. Just everything about them is I very know. funny. Yeah. So that's the other thing I like about these theme parks is just watching families and how they interact and what they're doing, and it's yeah. just a very entertaining kind of a place and again it's one of those rob was saying this the other Mm. day that they went on a vacation and it's pretty miserable you know it's like not fun but (laughs) then after you're like oh like we did this family vacation and i feel like that's a lot of families at disney like the actual day is tough like you're in line all day with these kids who are annoyed that they're in you know they need darn sugar highs whatever and yeah, in retrospect, amazing. Yes. In reality, nightmare. Nightmare. I always like the planning of a thing way more than the event. Uh, I get so excited knowing a thing's about to happen. Yeah. You know, going on a little holiday with Rob, really excited about the idea of it. When it's actually happening. <laughs> Miserable. Just true nightmare. <laughs> and then afterwards you think back, and you know, it's quite nice. But the actual reality of it, just oh, horrific. <laughs> but yeah, human brains have such a, f- they have such a funny way of processing they do. events like that. Oh no, it's fun. We love yeah. we love Disney and we love Universal. Yeah, I just wanted to give Universal. It's another place out there, you know, and it's got the Jurassic ride, which I yes. it's my favorite film. Thirty thirtieth anniversary this year of yeah. Jurassic Park, big year for me. 
When you're at Universal and you hear the music, the Jurassic music, does oh, it make you? It hits. I'm straight back in that theater in Whangarei in New Zealand with my Jurassic Park t-shirt and mm. popcorn and my parents there, my brother's there. It's just the best. All right. Well, Disney is extremely American. Universal as well. So I'm going to give you two points. Two. Two percent. <laughs> Thank you. Not very much. Thank you so much, Monica. I will knock on your door at least three days after your death. Okay. To find you. Three days. Okay. Yeah. How long does it take the rot to start? It depends on the heat. If it's oh. like in my apartment, peak summer, yeah. I think the rot's happening end of day one. Oh, boy. <laughs> the flies are in the window. Okay. Yeah, horrible. Uh, Horrific. In a temperate climate, it usually requires three weeks to several oh. years for a body to decompose. Okay. All right, we have time. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello, it's David here again, just recording from my little apartment, actually. Just adding a little tag on the end of this episode. First up, golly gosh, I forgot to really express my thanks to Elizabeth and Patrick for taking me around Disney World. They were the best hosts I could hope for, and I only got lost once. So thank you, Elizabeth and Pat. Now, after recording the episode, I also got really worried about Africa. That's, you know, the mini version at Epcot. Had I dreamed the whole thing up? Well, there's a piece from 2012 on allears.net that I found. Uh, It's a website and newsletter about all things Disney stuff in Orlando. Now, they describe the so-called almost pavilion of the World Showcase, the so-called bump in the road collection of huts between China and Germany. Now, that's where I believe I found the continent of Africa, a very tiny area compared with the official countries I'd encountered in my day at Epcot. Now, I'm reading straight from all ears. The continent of Africa is made up of many poor nations, and building a pavilion at Epcot is an expensive proposition. So, Disney proposed a pavilion that included a collection of African countries rather than just one. This multi-nation concept would help distribute the costs among several countries. After much searching and many negotiations, letters of intent were signed by the likes of Kenya, Senegal, and the Ivory Coast. The African pavilion was scheduled to open sometime in 83, but as negotiations continued to drag on, it was decided to build a temporary African placeholder where guests could grab a snack and pick up a souvenir. Unfortunately, the Equatorial Africa pavilion never came to pass. The piece also cites the political unrest of the region, making it difficult to carry on negotiations with the various nations and their less than stable governments. There was also the fact that many African countries simply couldn't justify spending the amounts needed to build a World Showcase pavilion. So that's why Africa is now represented at Epcot by a small area known as an outpost. And that's what I had encountered. There's no New Zealand. I'm sad about that. All right. See you next week.